Today we look at the Psalms. It's by far the most loved and the most read book in the Bible. It's universally loved. Whatever culture you come from, whatever age you are, you can connect with the Psalms. It's very human. All our experiences, our struggles, our joys are all expressed in the Psalms by the writers of the Psalms. The writers of the Psalms poured out their heart to God. Very personal. They literally talked to God. They complained to God. They begged God. They told God their fears. And they expressed their joys. Basically, the writers had a very personal relationship with God. That's why when we come to the Psalms, it's refreshing for most of us because the rest of the Bible is a little bit religious to us, a little bit we are afraid to get near. It's like Leviticus, when you read it, it's like, uh, what's this connected to me, right? So a lot of the Bible, and you read kings and judges, this is for Israelites. But then here you see, I can connect. I can understand all these things, right? So here we have a book that just is human in that sense, right? Rather than far away from us. Now, Martin Luther said in the Psalms, we look into the heart of every saint. That's so true, right? Because the Psalms are like humans like us struggling with life. Calvin said something even better. He says, we in the Psalms, we look into a mirror and we see our own heart. So, you know, the Psalms are something we don't just read. But we use the Psalms. A lot of us use it because it's so, wow, it's something I can connect with immediately. As opposed to most of the Old Testament, which most Christians do not read or hardly read. Because if you see the Old Testament, they are types, kind of strange, Jewish types, Israelite types of some truth in the New Testament. And unless you understand the connection, for example, the tabernacle, why it was like that, the temple, why it was like that, why all those you know, ways of doing things, they were types of something that would happen in the New Testament. But unless you can connect them, they are alien to you. They are strange to you. But not the Psalms. Straight away you can connect with it. Young believers will just go straight into the Psalms and read it. The rest of the Old Testament, they read it with kind of no choice. You've got to read it. Okay? Basically, what does the word Psalm mean? Psalm actually is the Greek word for a stringed instrument. Like plucking like a guitar or ukulele, you pluck it. Now the Israelite version of the Psalms had nothing to do with an instrument. It is the Helim. You don't need to know all these names. The Helim simply means songs of praise. That's what it is, right? It is really worship, praising God. And the Jews use this as their songs of praise. 
That's why it's placed centrally in the Bible. Worship is central to our relationship to God. God loves us and in joy we worship Him. We praise Him. That's why it's the center of the Bible and it's one of the longest books of the Bible. It's 150 chapters. In terms of chapters, it is the longest book in the Bible because worship should be the biggest part of our life. Whether we eat or drink, whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God, to the praise of God. Now, interestingly, it's praised after Job. It makes sense because life is full of suffering in Job. And yet, if you suffer without understanding that in suffering, God has a plan for us and we can still worship God in our suffering, you will be a very depressed believer, okay? But if you are suffering and you're like, okay, God, I know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Praise God for that. So that's why it's connected. Two major books, one on the struggles of life, which we will all go through, rich or poor, young or old, newly married or long married. Okay? And yet, even in the midst of all that, praise God. So you see the beauty of the Bible, even the position of things are so wonderful. Now, who wrote the Psalms? A lot of writers. Over a span of a thousand years, I know of no other book that took a thousand years to write. Right? Some of the earliest ones written like Moses, time of Moses, 500 BC. Some in the uh, 1500 BC. Some in the time of the exile, 500 BC. So it's like a thousand year span. But the largest number were written by David, about 1000 BC. David has about half of all the Psalms, the rest of various writers, some are anonymous, okay? So in every Psalm when you read in your Bible, there's a, usually an introduction, a superscription of it. Most of it looks strange to us, like the Psalm to Naginoth, the, the, the Maskil, some of this. We're not even sure what these words mean, but largely, I believe, they mean musical instructions. Because the Psalms were sang, they were sung in the tabernacle, in the temple, right? When you sing, the music leader needs to know how to sing this song. So a lot of the superscription was for the choir master of the worship in the temple, how this song should be sung. Some of the superscription is like the name of the writer, sometimes the event, like David when he fell into the sin of Bathsheba, that stated there before the psalm. Some like, oh, when an event, or this is like the dedication of the temple. So it does give you some header for some of the psalms. Okay, those are called superscriptions, like the header. Okay, now, when we look at the psalms, we must understand it's poetry. It's Hebrew poetry. Now, in English poetry, it is basically rhyme. I remember when I was a little boy, we learned nursery rhymes. Jack and Jill and up the hill, you know, that kind of stuff. Jill and Hill. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. 
Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, right? So it's always nursery rhymes. They rhyme the sounds. Now, of course, in a rhyme, the moment you translate, it's nonsense. It doesn't rhyme anymore. It's gone. So God was wise. He didn't use rhyme. He used poetry with a rhythm, but it was not by sound. It was by parallelism. So the large part of Psalms are poetry, and they are in parallels. Two sentences that speak of the same thing, emphasize the same point, but the second highlights and emphasizes the first, right? Sometimes they are what we call synonymous. Let me give you an example of that. You can look through and you see they all are parallelisms almost. Psalm 27 verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Okay. The second line, The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Sounds almost the same. Right? It's synonymous, but it emphasizes the point. Right? So it's like two points, more or less the same, but saying the same thing, but putting like bold on it. Okay? Now, let's another one is anti. Opposite, but they also emphasize the same point. Let's see this one. Huh? In the daytime, also he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. Can you see that? One was day, one was night, but both speak of God leading them. That's antithetical. Opposite, but still the same point. Okay? Still parallel. Uh -huh. Another one is amplification method. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise. Second line. And with thy honor all the day. Okay? It's not exactly the same. One is praise, one is honor, but it's still the same point. Okay? It amplifies that point. It's not the same, but it amplifies the fact that we should be praising God and lifting Him up, honoring Him all the time. So when you read poetry, please read it aloud. It makes a lot more sense. And sometimes I prefer just to listen to it. Like this morning, I listened to like two and a half hours of psalms just being read to me. Okay? And so you don't analyze poetry too much. You lose the beauty of it. You don't take word for word and analyze. You really slice it up to pieces. You know, it's like a beautiful masterpiece of Mona Lisa. You cut up the pieces and try to analyze it. Like, it won't be the same again. Okay? So that's what the beautiful book is all about seeing the whole thing as beautiful. So listen to the Psalms. It's, it was always read or it was sung. Okay? Sometimes it was even shouted, but never silent. Right? You don't read the Psalm this way, you know, with a little Bible there and like that. That's not how you read Psalms. That's not how you read poetry. It's expression. Okay? So Again, we have, we have dissected the Psalms until it becomes a study subject, just like the rest of the Bible. The beauty is all sliced into pieces. Okay? Now, give you a little hint. When you see the word I in the Psalm rather than we, 
That sound can be used very personally. It's easier to use it. We was more like congregational, national repentance, national rejoicing. I mean, that's not strict and fast, but it helps you a little bit. Okay? So I hope this helps you to understand the poetry of the Psalms. Now, in churches, most churches of the past, in fact, many churches, traditional churches today, still read the Psalms systematically through Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, Lutheran Church, a lot of traditional Presbyterian read it right through. Eastern Orthodox read it right through. In fact, the early church, uh, a bishop could not even be ordained unless he could memorize the entire Psalms. Okay, that's that's a minimum requirement. Entire 150 Psalms. Today in monasteries, still, you hear them chanting the Psalms all day. Finished entire 150 Psalms a day, chanting every day in some of these old monasteries. In fact, the Catholic Church before Vatican II, right, like 1965, something like that, Psalms were chanted. I've been to churches in Scotland, for example, where they don't sing hymns at all. They only sing the Psalms. They have a book, I think it's called a Psaltery, if I'm not mistaken, and they just sing the Psalms out. Kind of not very exciting tunes, kind of like that. Uh, not not real melodic tunes, but they sing the Psalms out. Okay, in English it's kind of not, not so natural. I think in Hebrew it might be very natural. Okay, so that is the, the way churches use Psalms today, hardly. All right, many churches barely even read a Psalm at all. People just pick bits and pieces of verses they like from the Psalms. But it's so beautiful when you read it aloud or when you hear it well read. Now, what's the structure of this book? 150 Psalms, is it a structure, just a, a mishmash of things? No, no, no. Technically, there are five books in this one book, right? And how do you know one book before the next book? They end with, Amen. It's almost like the editor of the Psalms added the word, Amen, at the end of the Psalm. If you go to a concordance, you'll find only four Amens in the whole Psalm. And they are at the end of section one, section two, section three, and section four. All right? Section five, you see, how hard does it end? Section five ends with five subs. Right? Section five, the last batch, the last section of the Psalms ends with five Psalms. And these five Psalms, Psalm 146, the 150, are very unique. They all begin with praise ye the Lord and end with praise ye the Lord. Five Psalms are like that. Praise ye the Lord is just the word for hallelujah. Okay? Hallelujah is hallelujah is the Hebrew way of saying praise Lord, praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. Alright? So, the last five sounds are hallelujah, hallelujah. Alright? So it's basically a book of praises. So you see the number five. Five sections, and the end it ends up with five sounds that say, Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Ten times. Okay. And it's five psalms. So it's basically a song 
a book of praising God. Okay, so, but anyway, not critical, you see, they just enjoy the Psalms along the way. I don't need to explain the Psalms. Most of you have read it through. I don't need to encourage you to read through the Psalms or listen through because most of you, that's the only book you go to in the Old Testament anyway. The rest have to sort of explain a lot to you. This one doesn't need much explanation. But I want you to just look at Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. To me, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 is the introduction to the entire book. Basically, the purpose of this book. Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, I believe, gives you the purpose. Okay? Let me read Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's the theme of the beautiful book. Delighting in God's word. Not dutiful in God's word. Not disciplined to read the Bible. It sounds punishing, you know? Right? It's a duty. It's a discipline. No, no. It's a delight. So, the whole idea of these Psalms is for us to delight in the Word of God, <laughs> which is something new to most modern Christians. Study, Bible study, Sunday school, you know, all the words that are quite different from delight. Okay, can I read it to you again? You know what's the blessed man? The one who delights in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, enjoying it. Okay, not 10 minutes quiet time a day. One verse devotional and read other people's uh, packaged words, right? Synthetic words. Why don't you get it straight from the Bible? Okay? It's like organic food. Enjoy rich organic food. Pluck a fruit and eat it. Don't pluck a fruit and then eat it as juice packaged in a packet. Right? So this is the purpose of this book. That we will delight in the law of God. Psalm 2 gives us, right? Second part is quite different. Psalm 1 is about the law. Who is Psalm 2 about? Interesting. Let's look at Psalm 2 and let me read to you verse 7 and verse 8. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Who is this? Christ. Thou art my son, my beloved son. And the last line of Psalm 2 says, Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Psalm 2 is not about the Word. It's about the Christ. I hope you get this. The whole idea of this Bible, whole idea of it, 
So love God's word because in God's word you see God's Son, the precious Son of God. The Bible is beautiful because the focus of the Bible is about our beautiful God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, the Psalms is full of Christ. Many prophecies of Christ are in the Psalms. I can just tell you a few. It says, God put all things under his feet. He will not see corruption in the grave. His hands and feet are pierced. His friend will betray him. Vinegar and gall will be given to him to drink, etc. It's all there. The entire suffering of Christ, Psalm 22. You read it. It's almost like a medical uh, uh, analysis of the sufferings of Christ in Psalm 22. What's the Bible about? Jesus, wonderful Savior, loveth who loves us, patient with us, gracious to us. You can only know him through the word of God. Don't make your own Jesus. Don't make your own God. Don't choose verses and create a God of your own imagination. The prosperity God and God, the Santa Claus God. No. He's in the Bible, in the beautiful book. So Psalms are delight in the law and delight in the Lord. May God bless you with this beautiful book. I don't need to say more about the Psalms because you focus a lot of the time in the Old Testament there. But nonetheless, when you go in, keep your eye right on this wonderful truth, this wonderful truth, the beautiful book and the beautiful God. God bless you.